Remember when you were a kid and you uh, had a chance to go out and do uh, or, or get ready for the week of school? I don't know if you guys remember that or much, or, but uh, it, was, it was somewhat exciting, right? So you, you had uh, new, uh, new uh, school clothes that you, could, that you could put on, new shoes, you got a new backpack, right? And all that stuff was, was a lot of fun. And I didn't really like school, I'll be honest with you, but I kind of looked forward to the first day of school. It was exciting. But then come along, say, October, November, school wasn't much fun anymore. All that excitement had worn off. It was the practical work of going to school every day and getting the grades and doing the homework and sharpening the pencils and paying attention to the teacher. And life is kind of like that sometimes, isn't it? You know, a few weeks ago, the, the quarantine was, well, it was not fun, but it was it was new, it was different, but right now we're at a place where it's kind of old, isn't it? We've been doing this now for, I think, five weeks, uh, doing an online stream church, and, and, uh, and a lot of us have been, well, we've been at home a lot more than we ever, ever normally are. Now, those of us in South Louisiana, we, we kind of know this a little bit, because every once in a while, we get a hurricane. And that lead up to the hurricane, there's a lot of intensity and excitement there, trying to make sure you have everything packed and ready. And, and then the hurricane hits, and that's kind of exciting, hopefully not too exciting. But you're kind of maybe, if you're like us, out on the front porch watching the wind blow in, uh, hearing the storm, watching the rain bands, you're paying attention to the news on the TV or on your phone. And then, and then the hurricane passes. If you've never been in a hurricane and you're watching this in some other part of the country, let me tell you that after the hurricane passes, it's about 900 degrees, give or take uh, 800 degrees or so, at least 90, 95. There's not a cloud in the sky. And generally, we don't have electricity for about a week. <laughs> so then it's, it's all getting gas for the generators, trying to eat out of an ice chest and, and, and trying to make, get some kind of sleep, taking cold showers. It might have been exciting at first but then it's just kind of miserable. It's something that you survive. Right now, we're at that place with this coronavirus outbreak. If you've been watching the news this week, and if you've watched social media, you, you can get a sense that people are, well, we're, we're kind of getting short with this situation. We're done with it. We want it to be over with. We want to go back to life as usual. But... <laughs> The truth is, is that we don't get to make those decisions sometimes. There are things in this life that are bigger than us. And this particular thing is one of those. The next couple Sundays, we're going to talk about, okay, how do, we, how do we survive the coronavirus quarantine? How do we, how do we make sure we still like the people that we, that we live with at the house? How, how do we make sure that we respond to to people online and, and at work and through phone calls and conference messages in a way that it's appropriate. You know, I, when this whole crisis began, there was this beautiful thing that kind of happened. A lot of people really began to kind of pull into their faith. And I saw people posting verses about how God's got this and how we need to trust God. And even, even secular artists were doing songs last week uh, honoring Jesus and, and relying on his power to provide. We've got to make certain that we don't flush all of that because frustration sets in. And so today we're going to talk about a few things that we can do. God's kind of advice for how to survive hard times. How do we, how do we respond 
when things get difficult. And there's quite a few things that we could look at today. Uh, we joke about the fact that there's going to be a post a post virus baby boom. But evidence coming out of China actually says there's a post post virus boom of another kind. That is a divorce boom. A lot of couples aren't used to being around each other that much and they start to stay in the same house and conflict and friction breaks out. Families always looking forward to the next thing and all of a sudden it's just them at the house. So what are some things that we can do to survive this and thrive in this very difficult season? Well, the first thing is, is that God gives us advice. The word of God is, is, is appropriate for every season in our life, both the good ones and the bad ones. And so when we're in question of what to do in life, we can always go to the word of God to look for that godly advice and those godly guidelines. And there's a passage of scripture that I think gives us a lot of clarity in this moment. It's found in James, one of the most practical books in the New Testament, the first chapter starting out in verse number 19. If you'd like, you can read along with me. James simply says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. So James tells us three kind of important things right here. And we're going to take a moment and just break these three things down because these three things are actually great attributes to have as a part of our life, whether we're in the middle of a quarantine or whether we're just living our life regular. And so James starts off and he says, everyone should be quick to listen. The Bible calls us to be people who listen carefully. Maybe you're a little bit like me and when you're talking with somebody, you tend to already be thinking about what you're going to say back to that person rather than listening to exactly what it is that they're saying to you. It's a, it's a bad habit that probably a lot of us have. We're, we're thinking about how we want to respond or what we want to say. But James recognized, and the Bible shows us, that listening is a vital part of understanding where other people are. Maybe we haven't been in, in this close proximity to our family or to the people that are in our immediate circle for quite a long time. And maybe there's certain things that they're saying or certain things that are bothering us, and it's important for us to stop and listen to what it is they're really saying. Sometimes we can take some things personally or, or we can allow small things to grow into great big things simply because we're not listening. And sometimes, well, sometimes we miss things because we're not listening as well. James says everyone should be quick to listen. And then he goes on to say that we should be slow to speak. That we should practice speaking cautiously. <laughs> Sometimes I, uh, I tend to speak before I think about what it is that I'm going to say. And I'm sure that you do the same thing. <laughs> we, we, we have a response. Our emotions kick in. And the next thing we know, our fingers are engaged on a keyboard or our mouth is engaged and we're saying something. And as we look back at that, once it's already posted or after those words have already been spoken, we look at that and we say, boy, I, I wish that I hadn't said it quite like that. I wish I, had, I wish I had done this or I wish I had said it this way. There's a great rule of thumb in life. And that is that whenever we're about to speak, or to share on social media or whatever it is that we might be doing. Stop and, and consider, would I want somebody to talk to me like this? 
And the second thing is, is if I knew that Jesus Christ was going to read this post, if Jesus Christ were in this conversation, would I change how it is that I'm responding to this person? For me, a lot of times the answer is yes. Because I know that if Jesus were looking over my, my shoulder on my phone or if Jesus were listening in to the call that I was making or, or standing there as we had that conversation, that I would change the language I use. I would change my body posture. I would change the spirit at which I approach that person. And if the answer is yes, then let's make that change now. Because as we all know, nothing is a secret from Christ. And he is a part of those conversations he is a part of that post. This Holy Spirit of God dwells within each one of us who are Christians. And we represent Christ and the work of God and the gospel to the whole world. The third thing James says, he said, we are quick to listen, slow to speak. And then he says we manage an emotion, a powerful emotion that we are slow to become angry. We learn how to manage the frustration. I don't know how many of you have experienced some frustration this week. Maybe I'm alone, but, but the long lines, the six-foot spacing, the complicated nature of almost everything right now, for somebody that's used to just going and doing things like probably all of us are, that's kind of frustrating. We look at that and we're like, really? <laughs> we find ourselves wanting to be short with somebody who's really just doing the job that they've been asked to do enacting the regulations that their bosses have acted, asked them to enact. How do we manage the frustration of a difficult season like this? James says that we are to be slow in becoming angry because anger does not produce the righteous lifestyle that God desires. I know some of us are just out and out people who kind of flash up and then burn out, right? Our anger just immediately captivates us and then it dissipates. But some of us are more passive aggressive in nature. That anger kind of just seethes under the surface, but it oozes out in some other kind of nasty ways as well. James says that anger doesn't really lead us to become the kind of people that God wants us to be. All around the country this week, we have begun to see displays of anger and frustration. Many of them are, people are kind of pouring out on the streets, but sometimes I'm even seeing this out of Christian people. And while we understand and, and uh, respect the fact that this is complicated for everybody, we have a responsibility as ambassadors of Christ to represent how he would handle himself in this situation. Our ultimate responsibility is to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yes, there's going to be frustrations, but we've got to deal with them. Paul wrote this in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. You know, the, the crazy thing about anger and frustration is, is that sometimes it's the very toehold that Satan needs in our life to motivate us to do things, to say things, or to become somebody that we really don't want to. And so, and so Paul just reminds the church in Ephesus, hey guys, sometimes you're going to get frustrated. Sometimes you're going to be angry. And we know from the life of Jesus that there are times where anger is completely appropriate. But when you're angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on that anger. 
Because, and don't give the devil a foothold in your life. It's really easy right now for one word, one phrase, one moment, one situation to wipe away maybe four weeks of really good things that have happened at your home with your family and with your spouse during this quarantine. So James gives us some practical advice as we start with that to make certain that we're quick to listen, that we listen well, listen carefully, that we are slow to speak, that we speak with caution, and that we manage our anger, that we manage that frustration, slow to become angry. But the Bible gives us some more help as well, and I want to share a couple of things with you today as we kind of work our way through this, because I think there are some, well, things that just kind of naturally come up when we're not doing so well in this struggle. Truth is, for everybody, this has been some kind of a struggle. But what are the indicators for us on the dashboard of our life, if you will, that we're struggling right now? What are the things that we can look at and say, okay, maybe I'm not doing as well as I think I am. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I always am very optimistic about how well I'm doing in a situation. And then someone will come up and say, hey, are you okay? Hey, is everything all right? And I realize that a lot more of, of the challenge is showing on my face and in my body language and how I'm responding to people than I, I maybe realized before. So what are some of those warning signs? Well, the first one is, is that we find ourselves becoming critical that we're no longer, well, you don't have to look any farther than this than look at the news media if you watch much of that. <laughs> it doesn't take long before the spirit of, of cooperation and working together kind of began to go by the wayside and people began finger pointing again. And while we've come to expect that out of Washington, when that happens in our homes and in our circle of people and in our communities, it becomes very, very destructive. If we find ourselves becoming more critical, complaining, criticizing other people, it's a great indicator to us that maybe something's not quite right in our heart after all. Now, it's true that when you live in close proximity with people that there are going to be times where, well, things are going to come up. There's going to be certain criticisms. I may have gotten a couple of those this week. I think my wife said, Jason, you've got to deal with a couple of things that I had just been going outside and going to work and putting off. And she's exactly right. So what is the difference between, well, criticism and a complaint? Well, a complaint is something like saying there's no gas in the car. It's just simply pointing out that there's a need to be met. I wish that you had filled that when you take, took it to town. But criticism is when you say something more along the lines of, you never remember anything. I mean, at least you can do is fill the gas on my car. You, you see, the, there's a lot of emotional intensity that's different right there. It's okay to make a complaint once in a while if things aren't working. In fact, you've got to. And if we're living as, as close as many of us are right now, there's going to be moments when you just complain. If you're trying to work from home and there's a lot of noise in the house, you might have to say, hey, guys, trying to work here, right? But there's a difference between complaining and working for a solution well, and criticizing and destroying the goodwill. The second warning sign is that we find in our own lives that there's contempt that's developing. We're looking at other people and we're kind of feeling snarky toward them. <laughs> contempt is really, or contempt rather, is really composed of a whole set of behaviors 
we won't take time to talk about here today, but we all know what it feels like where someone just, well, aggravates us. They're getting under our skin. And that's a great, great indicator that maybe, maybe we're not handling all the stresses of this struggle as well as we might like to. Then there's those moments where we are feeling defensive. Someone says something like, you didn't put gas in the car. And rather than saying, you know what, I'm sorry, I forgot, I'll catch it tomorrow, or whatever the case might be, you didn't pick your socks off of the bathroom floor. Rather than doing that, we, we find ourselves desiring to lash out or to be defensive, and rather than just accepting that, yeah, I, I messed up. If you're like me, you're going to blow it. And you're probably going to blow it a number of times in a given day. You're going to say that you'll do things that you forget to do or didn't get around to. You're going to hope that you, that you accomplish something or say something and it doesn't quite come out like you wanted it to. There's no reason for us to necessarily become defensive to the people that we love and care about the most. When we find ourselves getting that way, it's a great indication that maybe we're struggling a little bit and we need to take a little bit of more of a serious look at what's going on. The fourth thing on my list of things that are indicators that we're struggling is simply that we begin to withdraw. We begin to kind of pull up into ourselves and we start to isolate from everything else in the world. Now you might say, well, Jason, we're supposed to be isolating right now and you're right. But some of us are not just isolating from physical contact, but we've begun to kind of isolate from all contact. And we are we are created by God to be social beings. You remember God created Adam and he put him in the garden and he had him in an absolutely perfect setting. Everything there was just as God had intended for it to be. In fact, after each stage of creation, God would reflect on what he created and said, it's good, it's good, it's good. But when he sees Adam all by himself, God's response to Adam's condition was simply to say, it is not good that man should be alone. And God created Eve, companionship. As humans, we are just naturally wired to need other people around. And when we find ourselves pulling back from people, even people that are in our own home, that's a great warning sign that we're struggling a little bit more than maybe we thought we did. And then, of course, number five is simply that we have overwhelmed, overwhelming anxiety. We're, we're up late watching news feeds, worried about whether the disease will increase or decrease in, in my neighborhood. What about my job? What about the future? What about a million things that really right now we don't have a lot of control over? Those five things are really good indications that, well, that maybe we're struggling. So what are the answers to some of those things? What are the answers that God gives us? What are some constructive responses to challenges that maybe many, if not most of us, are facing right now. Well, number one on my list of things comes from Romans, the 12th chapter and verse 21. And I love this passage uh, for any season. And that's to remember <laughs> that our fight isn't with the people at our home. Our fight isn't with the, 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 the designated leaders in our communities or in our states or in our governments. Our fight is with the devil. And God took this very bad situation, and there's a lot of good that came of it. I saw a bunch of memes. My girls were showing me a few memes this week and videos that people put out of, of, of just people noticing how God is working in the midst of a very dark situation. And I appreciate that. But you know what we both know? 
We know, both know that God is working, but we also know that Satan is working. He doesn't like to see people turning back to God. He doesn't like to see more and more people tuning into podcasts and church presentations. He doesn't like to hear the sound of Christian worship music filling more and more homes. He would much rather things return to the distracted and conflict-filled scenario that we saw a few months ago. Satan's also working. Romans, the 12th chapter, says, let's not be overcome by evil, but let's overcome evil with good. You want to know how we overcome evil. It's not that we don't, we don't beat it down with a ball bat. We're not able to push it back with our physical strength. The Bible says that we overcome the evil that's in the world. We overcome Satan working in this world by ourselves doing more good, by accomplishing more of what God calls us to do. If we find ourselves withdrawing right now or pulling back from people, this is probably the very time that we need to be even more out there than we have normally been. And so here's just three quick things that I think we all can do that will help us to kind of push back some of that evil, some of that darkness, some of that anxiety, some of that dread, some of those emotions that really are making things maybe a little difficult at the house right now. Three things that all of us can do that won't only change our perspective of things, but will change the perspective of things for people around us, both within our homes and people we interact with through social media or over the phone or, or at work if we're still going to work. The first thing is this. Don't react in emotion, but react with purpose. Don't react with emotions, but react with a purpose. Romans, the 12th chapter, as we just read, says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our purpose is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Whether there's a quarantine or not, whether our church is filled and singing, uh, and the church is singing and worshiping together, or whether or not we're in uh, uh, 500 uh, living rooms throughout Acadiana and throughout the U.S. worshiping God together, our purpose as God's children is the same, and that is well, that is that we bring him glory and bring him honor. And so don't react with emotions. And I'm likely to do that, and probably you are as well. It's one of those challenges we face, but react with purpose. Number two, confront. But when we confront, confront to heal, not to win. Truth is, if you're at the house, you might have to have a sit-down conversation with the kids. You as a husband and wife, you guys might need to sit down at the kitchen table and say, look, what are we going to do about this situation? But there's really two ways that we can deal with those confrontations. If you're an employer or you're working in a public, uh, a public service business, you're probably going to have some situations that are confrontational in nature. But when we deal with those confrontations, let's not just try to win the argument, win the fight. But let's try to heal. Let's try to figure out how we can fix the problems so that we don't have to deal with this over and over and over again. Peter writes this in 1 Peter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10. He says, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult but with blessing, because to do this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. 
Peter says, listen, guys, our job is to live at harmony with one another. And then he gives us some attributes that we've got to have to be able to do that. He said, be sympathetic. If you're struggling right now, chances are everyone else in your house is as well. <laughs> and if you go out to the grocery store to catch a few things, chances are that everyone else in the grocery store is also, well, they're also irritated about that line <laughs> and about that weight and about that return policy. So be sympathetic. Love as brothers. You know, sometimes we put up with things out of family and we say, well, they're family. There's nothing that says that we can't love everyone with that same kind of forgiving sort of love. Be compassionate and humble. Sometimes I'm motivated to think I'm more important than other people. But being compassionate and adapting humility helps me to remember that, well, I'm just another one of a lot of people that are struggling and working through a difficult thing. And he says, don't repay evil with evil. Likely, you're going to have somebody that comes and throws something up on you. Don't repay insult with insult. Let it drop. Rather bless that person. And Peter said, why are we going to do a crazy thing like this? Well, here's why. Because to this, you are called. That's exactly what our Savior did on the cross, if you think about it. We talked all about that last week. But let's not let those lessons of who Jesus was and what Jesus did just drop off this week. No, we're called to be like Christ, to repay good with evil, insult with blessing. The third thing of the th three things that I think all of us can do to make sure that we survive this quarantine and do it well is simply this, quickly forgive and apologize. I'm going to mess up and others will mess up. I'm going to say something unintentional. Others will also say things that they really didn't mean. The faster that we forgive and apologize, the better off we are. The less time that that hurt has to burrow down into a heart to destroy a good feeling and a good family dynamic. Right now, around a third of the world's population are stuck at home. Guys, that's kind of unprecedented. And the challenges that come with that are very, very real. And I just hope that, that we recognize that we don't want to lose all the opportunity that we've been given, all the good that's come. We don't want to waste all that in the frustration that's going to come as this thing begins to wind down. Let me just guarantee you a few things. One thing is it's not going to go away near as quickly as it came, right? And number two, we're in for some tough sledding, so to speak, in the next few weeks and months. More and more of the things that we love and appreciate are going to be canceled just because it's not feasible to make those things work. We've already lost a school year, and, and I feel so bad for the, the seniors as they're, as they're not going to get the normal graduation that they normally would get. There's going to be a lot of those things. But let's handle that with grace and dignity as Christ would have us to handle it. I want to leave you with some suggestions today. <laughs> These don't come from God's word. These actually come from a guy who spent a great deal of his life in, well, in quarantine. He's a Russian cosmonaut. And he says, here's the things that I think everyone should do while you're on quarantine. Number one, he says, get some air. <laughs> you, when we're on the space station, he, he spent like 600 and some days trapped in a little thing in, in outer space. He said, we can't go outside and get air, but you can. Go outside and, and get a little air, get a little fresh air. Call your friends. If you find like you're isolating and pulling back within yourself, force yourself to pick up the phone this afternoon and call a couple people on your, in your contact list that you know probably could use a cheer-up call. 
How about some family time? Maybe the first few days of this, you spend a lot of time with family and that's kind of slipped and everyone's just kind of sucked back into their devices and kind of doing that. Maybe it's time to say, hey guys, let's set those aside. Let's just have a little family interaction, a walk outside or a family game night. Cosmonaut said, get some exercise. It's important. It'll help vent off some of this frustration that we're all feeling right now. And the last thing is laugh it off. Sometimes it's okay just to laugh and say, you know what? This is a difficult situation. Better days are ahead. We're going to get through it. You know, we are blessed because here today we, we know that over 2,000 years ago, our Savior went to the cross to die for our sins. We know that his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we might have forgiveness and freedom. And each week as a part of our live stream, we, we stop as a church family scattered all around to pause and remember that there's one thing that draws us all together, and that is a relationship that we share together with Jesus Christ. 